the topic is helping those impacted by pornography. And um, a lot of ladies were fighting to teach this class. No, you don't. <laughs> Not really. Okay, but I'm going to just give, we're just going to touch on the subject, um, sort of give an overview. I have a ton of material, but we will just give an overview and introduction. And there are more resources in a very, very minimal, simple resources in your handout. And uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to mention that a little bit. Um, and then I want to say my husband and I take seriously Ephesians 5.12, which says it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So I want to tell you my talk is going to be about a very delicate subject, but I, I my goal is not to say anything that makes anyone feel uncomfortable because it was inappropriate, we may feel uncomfortable because of sin, but I don't want to be inappropriate or take our minds where they shouldn't go. And you can easily talk about this without doing that. So I, that is my goal. And, and yesterday, I think we reached that goal. So um, I'm going to first tell you a little bit about my story. And, and there's a reason why I'm up here talking about this topic today. Um, five months ago, my husband, his name is Paul, uh, my husband gave a series of talks in the men's uh, Better Roads Recovery Home about his pornography addiction and how God has brought him freedom. And it is a story of what God can do and what God has done. Paul and I have chosen to be open about this so that other people can get help. I was just talking to Tito that you don't talk about this because it's so shameful. Um, and we don't want anyone to know, and I understand that. And when we, when Paul and I first started this journey, I remember we'd stand in the kitchen and say, we do not want to be the poster children for pornography. <laughs> but here I am. And so um, we have children, and Paul has chosen. He said, I think somebody needs to stand up and bleed so that we, we realize, you know, that there's a big problem and we can, and that there's hope. There's help. There is so we've chosen to be open about it, but everybody doesn't have to be. Um, I don't think everybody has to get up and give their testimony in front of people, but we feel like somebody needs to, so Paul has chosen to do that. But we have lost a lot of good people. We've lost missionaries. Um, we talked to a missionary at his conference, and he said, I think in the, he was in a particular field for, I think, 12 years, and in that time, five missionaries lost to, I'm, I'm going to probably say immorality, but um, I heard a statistic that in 90% of adulterous affairs, pornography was a part. 90%. I don't know if that's true, but what if it's 80%? What if it's 75? You know, we want it out of there. So um, then we've lost too many missionaries. Too many wives are dying inside. And too many men are paralyzed by shame and guilt. And while this is going on, God's kingdom suffers. It's really not about me having a happy marriage and feeling loved. And it's about God's kingdom and about us being able to serve him. And you, it's hard to do that when you're crippled inside. And when you're, when so much of your bandwidth is taken up with this issue that's, you know, front and center. So um, my husband, <clears throat> well, let me back, let me just start at the beginning start a little more at the beginning where my notes are. We've been married for almost 35 years, and for most of those years, my husband had a sexual addiction or stronghold as a Bible term, which is mostly magazines. Um, and it's since his childhood. I mean, probably eight, seven years, eight, nine, whatever. 
he doesn't exactly know, but he was young. And we have listened to and read probably 40 or 50 testimonies of people who have had men who have had this problem. Every single one, puberty or before. One book that a counselor wrote, he had counseled a man who got into it when he was 18, and then he counseled another man who got into it in adulthood. Every testimony we heard, it was puberty or before. Two men at five years old. So that, that's a key point. If you're a mother, that's a key point. If you're a Sunday school teacher, a bus worker, um, if you're a wife, it started way before he met you. More, more than likely. So um, Paul had this since he was since childhood. He tried to get help from a couple of men before our marriage, but I don't think either of them knew how to help him. He says that when he was in the Navigators in college, that's a Christian organization that reaches into college campuses, and he was at a Navigator um, summer event. He'd walk around at night and ask God, you know, help, but he, he didn't know. And um, so I did not know when we got married that there was this issue in, in his life. And most wives don't. And most men with this problem think, when I get married, that'll fix it. And then a few months after they are married, they go back to the pornography. So um, there was a discovery in the early years of our marriage. I don't know exactly when, but I, I made a discovery. And so we sat down in the living room. Well, after I had run outside and cried for a while, came back in. But we sat down in the living room and we we made a decision. You know, he did not want this in his life. He wanted a good marriage. He did not want to hurt me. So we made a list of things that we're going to do. He's not going to carry cash. Um, you know, we did not have television in our home. That was a decision we made before we were married. Um, just last week, I heard a testimony of a wife. She spoke at Marvin Smith's Spiritual Warfare Conference. Her husband was at, I think, a grandmother's or an aunt's house being watched. And that whoever was watching in a minute was taking a nap, and he turned the TV on at five years of age. And guess what the devil had him see? And nobody, you know, and years later, after he's married and has children, his wife finds out. But he was five years old. So anyway, um, where was I? So we sat down and made a list. We didn't have television. That's where I was. And we, we had very minimal literature coming into our home. Um, and we got for a while like the Midwest Living Magazine, which is mostly about great parks to visit and restaurants. And so there's hardly any um, bad pictures, but I will get it first and look through it. So that's how we operated our life. And Paul would not go to the library by himself. And that may sound odd, but I read um, about a woman who struggled with pornography addiction. And for her, it started at the library. Her mother used to drop her off at the library every week while she went groceries. And the girl, I don't think she was looking for pornography, but she found it and it had this attraction. And she struggled for years and it happened, started at the library. And I think she was eight, nine years old, maybe. So, um, so anyway, that, that's kind of our story, um, how we struggle. We, we set, so we made this list of things we want to try and do to, to keep this at bay. And it helped, like it kept it under control, not under control, but it kept it from totally engulfing his life. But it was still an issue, it was still a stronghold. But I didn't know that. I was naive. 
most um, Baptist girls who are brought up like in a Christian home and everything, I think we're very naive. Would you think so? Like, I, I think, well, and I'm a lot older than most of you. I'm, um, let's say I'm past 55. <laughs> you know exactly how old I am. My friend Laura. But anyway, when I was growing up, my favorite TV program was Little House on the Prairie. And and um, I loved playing with dolls and horses and stuff. I don't think I knew what pornography was. And so when my husband, when I found out this, I did not, I did not have an awareness of what was wreaking havoc in our marriage. And most of us don't. So I have four goals or four things that I think a wife needs to know. And if you're going to help a wife and, and if you're going to help, like, I'm going to guess that like yesterday there was a youth pastor's wife who was here and she has girls in her youth group that struggle. You work with teenagers, your pastor's wife, a lot of you, um, they, they struggle. And so I have four things that I feel like a wife needs to know. And if you're going to help someone, I think it would help you. And I'm going to say them quickly, but then we'll go through them. But the first one is an awareness. We need to know what this problem is. And a lot of us don't. And I didn't. And so I was naive and I thought, okay, he said he's not looking anymore. So I believe that. And, and if you say, if I feel like, oh, if you say you're not going to do it anymore, then, then you can do it. I didn't look at it as an addiction. Number two is she needs hope. And if you're working with a young girls or young boys in your teen group, they need hope. There is great hope. Number three, they need a roadmap. They need to know, how do I get out of the swamp? Paul and I call it the swamp. <laughs> it's like you're being stuck in quicksand. And number four, um, this is a particularly for the wife or the spouse. They need support. So, but first of all, awareness. And I have many points. And, and let me back up just a little bit and say, the, finish the rest of our story. But this goes along with my awareness. So, Paul, we had made these decisions. We're going to try and keep this out of our marriage. And, and it helped. It kept it from taking control. And it kept it to where... He didn't get into like internet pornography hardly at all. He didn't get into, you know, there's there's all kinds of branches of pornography. There's child pornography, there's homosexual pornography, there's violent pornography. You know, he pretty. It, I think his decisions of what we did kept it from escalating into those, which I'm very grateful for. And I sat with a wife two weeks ago, and she said, "You can be grateful." He was only into that, and, she, and as soon as she said it. She real, you know, how could you be grateful that your husband's looking at pornography? But she, she was saying, I think she was saying, I can be grateful my husband didn't get into what her husband was into, because she talked about how it escalates, and that's what our, that's what my sin does. If I allow sin in my life, you know, and I have sins I struggle with, but not with pornography, but I, I struggle with fear, and if I, the more I let it take control, the more it will take control. So, um. About a decade ago, my husband, and, and this, about a decade ago, I thought, okay, this is in the past, you know, and I didn't really feel, I didn't really feel loved and cherished, but I thought things were okay. Most of the time, I just thought, you know, he comes from an unaffectionate family. They're kind of cold. They're kind of hardworking. You know, we don't talk about our emotions once much, but, um, so I thought things were okay. We were happy a lot of the time. We didn't fight much. We had great times together. We're serving the Lord, very faithful in church, soul winning. But there was this, like, I didn't feel close like I thought I would before I got married. So then about a decade ago, um, one night driving home from church, Paul turned his phone over to me and admitted that he's still struggling. Now, the phone he had was one of those little 
slider phones with the like about this big of the screen <laughs> and it was an extremely slow internet so it wasn't at all like the young people have in their back pocket today it was it was way like much more mild but anyway so that day he gave up porn and so that day i started my descent um into a very dark place where i stayed for um at least seven years and um if you saw me at church how are you doing hey agree how are you but underneath, and I think a lot of people in our church are like this for other reasons, you know, some for this, but some for other reasons. A lot of us are underneath. We are paddling, trying to keep our head above water, and we're afraid to tell anybody because we think we're supposed to be, supposed to have it all together. <laughs> so anyway, um, but I was in a very, very dark place, and things were getting better. Like, now that he's not actively looking at porn, but they were getting better like not in first year, not in second year, but in about half year, really slow. Um, and my heart's cry was, what am I supposed to do? I, I wish, I wish I could talk to somebody, you know, what do I, you know, do I forgive and never say anything about it? Do I try to compete? Do I talk to somebody else? Do I, what am I, what does God expect me to do? Do I, you know, do something drastic to give him a wake up call it? Yeah, you're hurting me. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to. And so there was this underneath. I did not know one woman who had been through this and, and come out of it. Um, Paul didn't know one man he could say, well, that man was addicted and he came out of it. We had somewhere along the line, we got a book, it was written by a couple, but you know, they're in another state. We didn't know them. And it was, it was a really, it wasn't really like, Hey, go, you know, like, and like Laura's gone to chemo and, and that's a, that's like a terrible thing to go through. And she's wanted to talk to people and they can say, Oh, this is going to happen. You're going to experience this. Your, your hair is going to fall out. This is going to happen. And kind of helps to be able to talk to somebody even if it's a horrible you know a horrible thing to think to to go through that you think about it every hour of the day I'm sure like not an hour passes hardly that you don't think about it but you don't have anyone if you if you have someone to talk to and someone is a little further down the road they can say oh you're going to go through this and this is going to you know you're going to feel like this but just hold on tight that's a part of it then then that helps you but we didn't know anyone. I made a plea to Paul a couple of times, you know, would you go get help from home? You know, I, we, we didn't know. And so, um, so I, but in this, in this time when he had turned his phone over to me, we read a few books and then I started to gain awareness very slowly. And so after about eight years of that, I I just, I worked with Paul. I started working with him and he had a um, bread route. We deliver bread to grocery stores. So we are every day in the public around people and there are a lot of women at grocery stores. Have you ever noticed this? <laughs> and they're, in the summertime, they have their teenage girls with them and they are dressed like the world dresses. I have seen so much flesh and they're bending over, they're doing this. And if they see a man and they want his attention, they kind of dwaddle in the aisle where we're working. This has happened so many times. There's a woman, we're working here. 
and there's a woman hanging around because she wants my husband's attention, and I'm sure they're doing it for other men too. And that that's what our husbands face. In, and our um, missions pastor, Brother Bush, he said he does not go on a missions trip by himself. He always takes someone with him. And I think I know why he said that. And um, so anyway, I, working with Paul, was able to see with my two eyes what was happening with his two eyes. And all of this parade of flesh every day. And it really hurt me so I got to a point where I said, I, I don't think I'm going to live like this anymore. I'm going to get help. And so I decided to get help. And I started, I found a ministry online. And the first thing, um, the first day I decided to get help, I found a YouTube video of them giving their testimony to husband and wife standing together, talking about this horrible time in their life. This man traveled for his work and he was not only addicted to pornography, but he would also, he's in a motel in another state. For business, he would he would meet women online and then meet him at the hotel, and then come back to his apart his motel room and get on his laptop and look at pornography. And he was, he says, at that point in his life, it owned him, and he had asked God a bajillion times to take it out of his life. He was suicidal. I heard a statistic that seventy percent of men are suicidal. Now I don't know if that's true, and it might be the 70% who are desperate enough to go to get help, and then they answer a poll. I don't know. But there are men who are suicidal. So anyway, um, I listened to this testimony of them, and I got Paul to listen to it, and we were mesmerized because they stood there telling about this horrible thing that had been in their marriage, but now he's walking in victory. They're standing there crying together, and then they're laughing together, they're looking at each other. They're telling this story on a college campus at Biola. So that's, that's, then Paul said, could you find a very biblically-based ministry? And we did. And so Paul started, we together, uh, we found a, a former Baptist pastor who is full-time now. His job is mentoring men through sexual addiction. We drove to his home on our day off every week for about three months. And we paid him about $300 a month. And we were in it. And Paul went in 100% every day he was at the table doing about 90 minutes of homework. And the homework was, was the Bible. It was verses that told him, God is for you. God is with you. God is more powerful. It was verses like 2 Corinthians 10, 5, I get to him, casting down imaginations and every high thing. It was um, the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty. It was for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It was, it was memorizing verses. We do our, we verses yesterday, we we're in the truck delivering bread. We did verses in between Wheatfield and Rensselaer while we're driving, or we might've been going over this time. But anyway, we, we do verses in the truck just about every day. So when I saw him sitting there doing that, it really started my heart healing and Paul this is what he'd wanted years ago this is what he was looking for this is what his heart wanted and most men I believe that most Christian men who struggle with this they vacillate between wanting their sin but desperately wanting freedom they don't want the shame and the guilt and they desperately want freedom and then the devil sucks them and they go they can go back and forth but they want their freedom and when you think that they got into it when they're a little boy or eight or nine years old, we're driving sometimes and I'll see little boys playing and I think, 
Well, I hate to think that little eight-year-old boy is being exposed to pornography, and, and he has no idea how it's going to bring destruction to his life. He's so young, and my husband was so young, and so many men, they were addicted before they knew what the word meant. So I want to keep moving, but um, uh, it has helped me to learn about this strong. Well, there are some books, and just a very few, but there are some books in your resources and they are written, several of these are written for men. And, um, but I read them because it helped me to understand it from a man's viewpoint. Oh, women were different. Um, but it helped me to understand it from his viewpoint. So I want to mention one more thing before I got uh, in, in awareness. Um, we have to be aware of the problem. And when someone tells me that so-and-so, you know, her husband struggles or if, or it's a teenage girl, I don't think of it as, oh, they're looking at bad pictures. They need to stop that. I think of it, I have a similar reaction as if I heard that, oh, her husband's addicted to drugs. Or this young girl's playing around with drugs. Like, they need help. That's going to suck them in. It's going to escalate. And so they need help. So it, it is like a drug. The pornography is not just looking at pictures. There is a when you're very careful when I say this, but there is a sexual act that is paired with that. They're not just looking. So there's a sexual act, and I believe the Bible word is uncleanness. And I love how God, the language of the Bible, that covers all sorts of sexual sins. You know, we've been here for 6,000 years on earth, and um, there's been a lot of deviancy in all those years, and God has word, you know, above board words that cover it. So, um, I want to read this verse here, Proverbs 5.22, just when I'm talking about it being looked at like as an, an addiction. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. Um, I have a lot of verses here, but I'm going to read this another one, Proverbs 7.22 and 23. He goeth after your straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver. As a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. For she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. So, I have a lot more verses, but there's very... If you read through Proverbs chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, I think it's chapter 4, um, so many verses that describe chapter 9. Her guests are in the depths of hell, Proverbs 9, 18. So it is like a drug when the sexual act is compared with the pornography. There's a lot of dopamine released in the brain. And I don't have time to go in it. But in your resources, there is a YouTube video by Rosie McKinney. And it says, um, it's called, it's number five, Fight for Love, part one. She talks about the brain science where it literally shrinks gray matter and it does become addictive. And there is an addictive cycle there that it, it grabs them. Um, so you're, it's not, to the wife it feels like I'm not good enough, she'd rather look at other women than me, but we need to kind of understand there's a lot of addiction going there, and he can still love his wife. One counselor said that he had men under lie detector tests, he would ask them, do you love your wife? He's counseling them for pornography addiction, and the wife says, he doesn't love me, he hate you know. One wife said, for me to do to him what he does to me, I would have to hate him. 
But this counselor, Doug Weiss, and it was, I think it was the one, and he would ask a man under lie detector test, do you love it? And he did. He loved his wife, but he was still holding in the cords of his sin. So it brings about physical problems. First Corinthians six eighteen: he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. There is a physical problem called P-I-E-D. I'm just going to say porn-induced E-D. And that is when the internet became available on cell phones and when all kinds of young people are carrying these around, doctors notice the incidence of young men coming in with, with this problem. The word skyrocketed was what I read. So um, it does affect affect them physically. It affects their relationship with their wife. It doesn't supplement his relationship with his wife. It supplants it. Um, I want to read a brief excerpt. Let me see um, what time it is. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I do want to read this excerpt from a book called Every Heart Restored. Porn eventually destroys the taste for the real thing, as this email from Randy relates. I've, so this is an email that this man sent into this, the people who had written this, who worked in this ministry. I've hit rock bottom as so is my poor beaten down wife who believes I'm not attracted to her anymore. Maybe she's right. My sex life with my wife has been virtually non-existent since lust has been controlling my thought life. And yet here we are trying to have our first child. She's depressed. The clock is ticking because she's 34 and has this thing in her heart that she doesn't want to get pregnant past the age of 35. I've got about nine months until her birthday to deliver the goods, but the devil's stolen my sexual desire for the most beautiful woman I know. He thought she was beautiful, but he was gripped by his sin. And when Paul and I talk about this, he, sa he says lust is never satisfied. It always wants what it doesn't have. And that's true in my life. As soon as I get a new dress, I want another one. <laughs> I got these shoes, maybe I wanted that for me, we'll get them too. But and this is, you know, escalate that, multiply it, I don't know how many times, and, and, and that would be what you're dealing with here. So I'm going to um, skip on just from what I've said, how it affects the man. You can, you can extrapolate in your mind how that would affect a wife, how it would make her feel. Um, for there is great hope. And I told you about Paul, his program, got him in the Bible. The word, um, one of my, the first verses that I was meditating on when Paul got in this program was Psalm 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And when we're gripped by sin, we need our soul converted. And psychology can't do that. And you know, friends... Other people can help, they can support us, but it's going to be God. It's going to be the Word of God. And I love last night and today the emphasis on the Word of God because everything gets us busy and away from the Word of God, but we have to have the Word of God. there. And I have a, a new relationship with the Word of God that I didn't have before. This has made me realize how desperately I need God. And when I go to my Bible now, I'm not just, oh, i got to read my Bible, I'm going to read my Bible. Now it's, I need something today. No, I'm in Psalm 77. I'm in Psalms 86. This morning I was listening to Psalm 86. It's such a comfort to me. Psalm 130, Psalm 37, Psalm 25. Um, I have some friends there in the Psalms. Um, so I want to say there is great hope. Uh, a man can get freedom. The brain can be rewired. The brain, which was wired towards pornography and that this is what sex is, can be rewired to what God 
intended, but it takes time and it takes work. It takes intention. Um, you have already understood from my talking that we did different things to try and white knuckle it or for him to be pure and not to expose himself to pornographic images. And of the 40 or 50 testimonies we heard over and over and over again, we heard the same thing. The man will say, well, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to try really hard. One man said, every time I looked was going to be the last time. He quit pornography every time he looked at it. Never going to do that again. Because do you understand there's such shame? And he knew it was wrong, but he kept being drawn back until he dealt with his heart issues with this book and with God. So we were helped. I want to say we were helped by Paul cutting off his access, which we'd already worked at, but he had to deal with that in public. He had stopped looking at porn, but there's a lot of porn with skin on walking around. And we deliver bread to Walmart, and there are pictures of women in underwear because you can't sell underwear unless you have an 18-year-old wearing it, right? So, and uh, we're in it every day. And just driving to church, there's a woman jogging in skin-tight shorts, and it's all over our society at Fortified. I don't struggle with drug addiction. My husband doesn't. Nobody's offering us drugs. But every day we're offered pornographic images and your husband, your sons, the men in youth group, the boys you teach in Christian school. So it helps to cut off the access, but you have to address the heart issues. And that's with another man is I heard one man who's spent years studying this. He said only about 3% of men will get victory on their own. They need another man to help them out of the swamp. In the Bible, the term one another or each other is in there. It's either 186 or 196 times. God gave us the local church. We help each other. I have been so helped by, I have found now, I know now several ladies who have come through this and I talk with them. I spend hours on the phone with some women who have been through this. We've prayed on the phone. Yesterday I was on the phone with a lady. She prayed. She's done what I'm doing at her church. She gave, got up and gave her testimony and, and I said, I'm you know, scared Beth helped me. And so she prayed with me and she helped me. So we help each other. My husband is helping other men. He's taken several men through the program that he found Victoria. And now he's helped a number of other men and he stays in contact with them. And they are walking in victory. And the other night he had arranged to meet with a man. He's through the program, but Paul checks up with him every week. And so they're having their checkup, but it happened to be after church in, in, in the lobby and there was someone else close by. So he didn't want to ask the guy, hey, are you messing up? Are you doing okay? But this man, you walked away a few steps and he, he went back and he got, he said, hey, Paul, I'm doing okay. You know what? On their walking in freedom, he wanted Paul to know he, he was doing right. And it's been a while. So anyway, um, that helps one another. Um, there are a lot of evangelical ministries out there. I did not know. I did not know until I started looking. There are so many ministries and so many people were standing up speaking out about this. Did you know that there are online forums that have nothing to do with church or religion for men desperately trying to get off porn? There are forums, and I'm not recommending them because they don't have this book. They're trying to fight a fire with a little little garden hose. <laughs> but... Um, there are online forums where they have 10,000 members, 100,000, 20,000. The book I read, which was copyrighted 2017, was listing some in the United States where there's 20,000 men. They're, they're going on and they're, they're giving each other tips. You know, when you feel tempted, go do this, go out and job. Or, 
you know, and they, they don't have this book, but they're trying to help each other. In China, there there's three forums that the three of them combined have three and a half million men desperately trying to get off porn. It's destructive, and they're realizing it. So there, I wanted to say there are evangelical ministries that deal with this issue, and the first ministry that I tuned into really helped, and I needed a lot of what they were teaching. They taught about triggers. They taught about the brain science. They taught about intimacy aversion, that men with this deep, dark secret, not going to want to get close to the wife. I thought it was me, but it was this. But they don't, they, they can talk about this topic without ever mentioning or hardly ever mentioning the word sin or lust. How could you talk about this without saying lust or temptation? Uh, they talked about vaulting your eyes and how to deal with women in public that are dressed in, but they didn't talk about grace, forgiveness, confession. So when we found very strong biblical counseling help, we, 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 we locked in on that. We kind of, we learned a lot from this and I'm forever grateful. And I will meet some of those people in heaven and I want to walk up and hug them and say, thank you. But now we're really, I feel like mainstreaming on very strong biblical teaching. So that's what has really helped us. Um, I want to give just a few thoughts on getting, getting a husband into recovery or if some of you, I think if you're working with teenagers, Yesterday, a lady came and I think the teenagers, they're young and they're more open and, and they're into much worse pornography and they know this is terrible. I shouldn't be doing this and I'm going to go talk to somebody. But when someone's married, it's it's very hard after years of deceit that they're going to tell their spouse. But um, to get somebody into recovery, thank you. Um, I don't have a magic pill and if some husbands won't get it or they'll fight it for a long time, but you can... You can help them find a biblical counselor speaking the truth in love. I would say pray and fast. You know how he vacillates between wanting a sin and desperately wanting freedom? Pray that he talk to him over there. Um, he's more likely to get into recovery if the man that, he, if he knows someone he can get help from who used to be addicted. For my husband, that was so huge that he's going to go sit down with this man who was addicted himself, who would understand, who would help him. And so once we found Steve, it was, it was, it was great. Um, he's more likely if he feels anonymity. That's why I say not everybody has to stand up and tell everybody about this. You don't have to. Um, but um, the wife can be a very, oftentimes the wife is the only one that knows. Or if you're a youth worker, you may be the only person they feel safe to tell. So there are some programs that help, and I'm running out of time. My phone number and email address are on here. You can email me or call me or text me, and I'll try to get you more resources. A lady yesterday was working with some teenage girls, and so I know, I know of a couple of resources that might help her. And you may be a lifeline, and if they could get this cared for before they get married, it'd be so much better. Um, so I, I have somebody... I. I wanted to come and say something because I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Paul and what he's done. So um, he wanted to say a few words. Hey, thank you. I just want to say that I am today very glad that I responded to my wife's encouragement 20 months ago that God held for my sexual addiction. 
we would be standing here now if I had not. God orchestrated events in our lives, put us in the public together, and for me it was sort of like a little crucible, obviously, as she explained. Um, and even though I had, and we both knew that I had given up pornography, I turned my cell phone into her on uh, nine years or so prior, but we still both knew from what she had explained to you that I still had a problem. And I was very glad for what transpired from there. One of the most freeing times in my life was the first time I sat down with Steve and told him my story. Steve was like God with skin on to me. And I try to be like that to the men that I counsel now. Uh, one of the main things we, we both want to get across to you today is that there is help and hope in this struggle. You crash and burn is not the only option. God wants to totally restore. Too often, because of the shame involved in this sin, men keep quiet, do nothing, or try to fight it alone. And that's what the devil wants. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, he which are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, that thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. James 5.16, the first part says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, that ye may be healed. We found restoration in a Bible-based accountability program using Scripture, Scripture memory and meditation. Get God on the throne of your heart, and king me off the throne of your heart. I liken it to God taking his hand and helping a person. Because God, the creator of the, everything that is, saying that he is going to help you. I told Pastor Wilson a few months ago that I counted a great privilege to have been able to see, to watch three different men totally stop something sinful and get victory in this struggle. On a final lighter note, I have enlisted the help of the German prisoner guard, Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes, who made famous the words, I see nothing. <laughs> That's his German accent, of course. There's no TH in German um, language. Um, I knew that I had to protect my wife's sensibilities, having offended her so often in this in the past. And in order to help her, I wanted to say to her that I am now, because of this program, got spiritual muscle victory and, and victory in this area. So if I see, we would see a, a improperly dressed person in the periphery, um, I would bounce my eyes and let her know that Schulze took care of it. <laughs> I think Kelly wants to give her version of Schulze. I don't know. I can do it. But he says, I see nothing. I know nothing. So what, what used to be a possible very painful situation. Now God has brought amazing grace and now we laugh about it, we talk about it, and that's what God can do. <clears throat> Thank you, Paul. I'm going to close in prayer. Thank you so much.